It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now pushing the limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's happening, everybody? Happy Wednesday. It is pushing the limits. Oh, yeah. I know you missed me the last 22 hours. We are going to be uh, talking about uh, a lot of important issues today on the show, as we always do. It's some good guests. And we are broadcasting everywhere, folks, if you're unaware, if you're first time listening to the show on the FM or AM dial. We're also broadcasting live on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitch, on Facebook, pretty much everywhere. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'll give a quick rundown on what we're going to be doing today. Obviously, uh, a good day for Democrats last night in some swing states, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that uh, here in the next few minutes, and I'm going to give you my reasoning on why Democrats had such a good night, and it's going to be very similar to why they had a pretty good midterm election back in 2022. For a lot of the same reasons, we'll talk about that, and I'm going to give some criticism, yes I am, to Hillary Clinton. I thought she made some remarks on The View this morning that were probably not the best well-thought-out remarks. I'll explain. We had the audio. And uh, again, it's, it's again one of the reasons why I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I, I think it was a mistake on my part, but I didn't. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So coming up at the bottom of the hour, this is a story that made national news last week. And it's a very sad story to report. Uh, a guy by the name of F.L. Uh, Bubba Copeland. Uh, he was the mayor of a uh, small city in Alabama. And he sadly took his own life. And he took his own life because a uh, right-wing entity called 1819 News outed him and published pictures of him wearing female clothing. It's a story that's become national news. And the guy we have with us on the show at the bottom of the hour, one of his longtime friends, he actually ran for Congress as a Republican. And I want to get his thoughts on this. His name is Larry Deshiari, and he's going to be joining us doing his first radio interview about this story. He lost his good friend. It's a really sad and tragic story, but it also goes to show you how serious it is when people out other people for not breaking any laws. You know, who cares if someone wears male or female clothing? So that's what we're going to talk about coming up at the bottom of the hour and the dangers of that, of outing people. Uh, I don't even like that word, outing, but uh, that's the word I guess we will use today. And uh, Larry Deshiari, his longtime friend, will be joining us coming up at the bottom of the hour and kind of get his thoughts on this really tragic and sad story. Coming up in hour number two, Paul McCaskey is going to be joining us, uh, talk a little NBA hoops, talk a little NFL. Boy, there's a lot to get to in the sports world. The college basketball season uh, already underway. UNLV basketball opens up their season tonight at the Thomas and Mack Center. I'm excited about that. And maybe we'll even get to a little Vegas Golden Knights action. So all this stuff is coming up. Uh, but I want to start off with what took place yesterday. Um, as you know, or may not, Democrats had a great night yesterday in several states. So why? Why did the Democrats overperform again, and why was it such a disappointing night for Republicans? Well, I'm going to give you the number one reason right now. Abortion. The reason why Republicans had a bad midterm elections in 2022 and why they had a disappointing night last night is because the MAGA Republicans out there and the extremists out there 
want to ban abortion. They want to tell women what to do with their own bodies. Now, I've had the abortion debate with a lot of people. And by the way, I use the term anti-abortion and I don't use the term pro-life. And I've been very consistent on why I don't use the term pro-life, because many people that call themselves pro-life are the same types of Republicans that are against every governmental program that could help that woman raise that child once that child is born. Maternity leave. It could be child care. It could be food stamps or welfare. Any government program that can help that mother raise that child, Republicans more than not usually vote against. So they are not pro-life. They are anti-abortion. Most people in this country, notice how I didn't say Democrats, most people in this country, the overwhelming majority of people in this country, believe in the woman's right to choose. It doesn't mean we're jumping up and celebrating when a woman has an abortion. It's a very difficult subject. My heart goes out to any woman who has to make that choice. I would imagine it's very, very difficult. And I don't want anybody to be in that situation. However, it's that woman's choice because it is her body. And I know a lot of people out there want to characterize it as murder. It's not murder. Everybody has a different definition on when life starts. Some people believe it starts at conception. Other people, like myself, believe it starts when that person can survive outside the womb. Everybody has different definitions. Brilliant doctors have different definitions. People who perform pregnancies, births, have different definitions. And as Americans, we have the right to disagree on what that definition is. But what we shouldn't have the right to do is to force women what to do with their bodies. And whether we're talking about Yunkin or we're talking about the extreme MAGA Republicans out there or those, some of those that are on the Supreme Court, when you have people running for office that push to a ban abortion and tell a women, these women what to do with their own bodies, you're going to lose elections. And Republicans, some Republicans, are not going to vote for you. That's what happened in the 2002 midterm, 2022, excuse me, midterm elections, where most Americans said that was the number two most important thing. Number two most important issue for them was abortion. And again, the Republicans are too stupid to understand that. Most of them, some of them understand it. Most of them do not. And they continue to stand by what they call their principles of telling a woman what to do with their own body. And most of these people that are doing this are middle-aged men that don't know what it's like to be pregnant. You're telling me Donald Trump has never been with a woman that's had an abortion? Give me a break. I would be willing to bet that a lot of these men that are so anti-abortion have been in relationships with women and have had abortions. I'd be willing to bet that because they're, most of them are all hypocrites, if you ask me. That is probably the main reason why Democrats had such a good night yesterday, in my personal opinion. Now, there are a lot of idiots out there, like Rick Santorum, who seems to be very upset that Americans had the opportunity to vote on things that they actually care about, like abortion. Folks, you can't make this stuff up, and it's why Rick Santorum was fired from CNN. He is a complete moron. Listen to what Rick Santorum said on one of those far right-wing networks, just about the fact that abortion was on the table, and it gave people the opportunity to vote on it in Ohio. Have a listen to this. 
and you put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot, and a lot of young people come out and vote. It, 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 it was a, it was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but, um, that's why I'm, I, I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because right. pure democracies <laughs> are not the way to run a country. So, so then to your, and so it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. First of all, Putting abortion on the ballot, he defines as a sexy thing. It's not a sexy thing. It's one of the most important topics and one of the most important things on a voter's mind, Republican or Democrat. Rick Santorum is so out of touch with the reality. It's it's incredible. And by the way, they didn't put everything on the ballot as Rick Santorum suggested. If you ask most Americans in this country, one of the top things on their mind is the abortion issue. And the fact that Rick Santorum thinks that that's a bad thing, that one of the most important topics when it comes to Americans in this country is abortion. He thinks it's a bad thing that people are actually voting on that just goes to show you what an idiot Rick Santorum is. Completely out of touch. And that's many Republicans in this country. Guess what? If you don't want to lose elections, then stop with your extreme MAGA opinions. Stop saying that you want to tell a woman what to do with her own body. It's very, very simple. Now, the other thing that was on the agenda was, of course, marijuana. And marijuana was legalized in Ohio, and they were a little late. Okay? There's over 20 other states in this country where marijuana is already legalized. Listen. I have my opinions, both positive and negative to marijuana. Certainly the positives, medical marijuana, it helps people in pain, people that have cancer, uh, people that have chronic illnesses. Marijuana does a lot of good things for a lot of people. And no, I don't think it's, it's terribly wrong if somebody wants to get high in the privacy of their own home. We don't want people on the roads that are high. I'm not a big fan of people smoking marijuana in public, but... Marijuana, it can be considered a gateway drug, but I, uh, you know, I've never heard of anybody that's overdosed from marijuana, right? So I don't think it's a very dangerous drug, and that's been proven. With that being said, it did pass in Ohio, and I don't have any problem with that. I do have a problem with people that want to ban abortion. And if Republicans want to ask themselves, why do we keep losing the popular vote? Why do we keep losing all these elections? Keep in mind, Republicans have lost the popular vote of six of the last seven presidential elections. Donald Trump might have won the election in 2016, but he still lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton. Got blistered by Joe Biden. Republicans lose the popular vote just about every time. If it wasn't for the Electoral College, we may have had one Republican as president in the last 50 years. The Electoral College is just a nice way of saying, Republicans, we are going to give you a chance to win. That's what the Electoral College is. It shouldn't matter whether you live in California or New York. It shouldn't matter whether you live in Nevada or Vermont. Every vote should count the same, and it shouldn't matter what state you're in. I've always felt that way, and I always will continue to feel that way. And there is a reason why Democrats almost always win the popular vote in the presidential elections. Because many instances, Republicans call themselves the law and order party and the party of values and moral dignity and all this other stuff, but it's to the contrary to that. 
It's why minorities seem to always vote Democrat. It's why people who are poor seems to always vote Democrat. Not always, but certainly the majority of the time. And it's why Republicans keep losing the popular vote. And mark my words, ladies and gentlemen, it's exactly why they lost yesterday. It's why Republicans had a really bad night. It's why they had a bad midterm 2022 elections. And it's why I believe they're going to lose the 2024 elections, uh, whether it's Joe Biden or somebody else. These MAGA Republicans and these right-wing extremists have these weird views when it comes to abortion. And I really don't think that's going to change. I don't think that's going to change. There might be some Republicans that turn to a little bit more moderate. And maybe they'll do that not because they truly believe in it, but it's the only way they can win an election. I think that's the only thing that can make these Republicans change is eventually maybe they'll learn that most of America does not agree with them. And they are in the minority, certainly when it comes to this issue of abortion. I remember walking into a Raider game, and I think it was like two years ago, right? It was sort of during the pandemic, and I believe it was at the time when Mark Davis said, you can't go to a Raiders game unless you've been vaccinated. I think it was during that time. And as I'm walking in, I see an anti-vaccination, anti-mask rally of maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 idiots, because that's what they are. They're idiots. And I saw this woman with a big sign that said, my body, my choice. And I, and I went up to her and I started to have a civil conversation with her. And I said, you're, you're speaking to the vaccines, right? And I said, okay, I can buy into that. And, and I, I was honest with her. I said, listen, I don't think anybody should be forced to get a vaccine. I said, I agree with you. It should be a personal decision. And I've always felt that way, by the way, always. But then I said to her, what about abortion? And then she looks at me and she thinks for a minute. And then she's like, oh, wait, that's completely different. I said, no, it's not. If you're holding up a sign that says my body, my choice, that should pertain to a woman who's pregnant just as much as what you put in your body, say a vaccination. And we got into a little heated debate and discussion. And I said, then your sign is fake and you're a phony. Hold up a sign that says when it comes to the vaccinations, it should be my body, my choice. Fine. That's your opinion. But don't hold up a sign that says my body, my choice when you're a hypocrite and you're and you're inconsistent. If you hold the saying my body, my choice, which, by the way, I agree with. I agree with that sentiment. You could be talking about the vaccination. She could be talking about anything. You could be talking about what woman or man you want to spend time with or have sexual relations with. It's your body. It's your choice. Um, what fatty foods you want to eat. You don't want to have my diet, by the way. That's for sure. Uh, but if you want to eat fast food every day, it's probably not good for you. But it is your body and it's your choice. If you want to eat candy bars every day, you'll probably get a lot of cavities. It's not good for you but it's your body, your choice, right? As long as you're not taking illegal substances, but I think you all get the drift of what I'm saying. Your body, your choice, for the most part, you know, I'm a libertarian when it comes to this stuff and I lean to the left on social issues. You should be able to do whatever you want with your body, uh, eat whatever you want, so long as you're not taking illegal substances, illegal drugs. Um, You should be allowed, listen, if marijuana is legal and you want to get high every minute of every day of your life, as long as you're not driving, that's your choice. Same thing should apply to abortion. I think most people in this country agree with that sentiment. My body, my choice, don't tell me what to do. And all these middle-aged Republican men that want to tell women what to do with their bodies, I think most people in this country have had enough. And Republicans say, well, we'll leave it up to the states. I don't think there are any states in this country that are going to 
make abortion illegal long term or convict women for having abortions. It's not going to happen. And many of these MAGA Republicans are so out of touch. And that's why they had a bad night yesterday. And that's why they'll continue to have bad election nights if they continue to support these crazy policy ideas like banning abortion across the country. So I do want to take this time to, I guess, share a little criticism for Hillary Clinton. Um, She went on The View this morning. And I've never been a big Hillary Clinton fan. She's obviously a very intelligent woman. She's obviously very experienced and educated. I would never take that away from her. But I feel like she never really resonated with the American people. And she she ran a horrible campaign in 2015 leading up to the 2016 elections. But I think she made a really big mistake today. I'm the last person to defend Donald Trump. But in this instant, I might just do so. Listen to what Hillary Clinton said about Donald Trump today on The View. People would get legitimately elected mm-hmm. and then they would try to do away with elections and do away with opposition and do away with a free press. And you could see it in countries where, well, Hitler was duly elected. That's right. Right. And so all of a sudden, somebody with those tendencies, though, dictatorial, authoritarian tendencies would be like, oh, OK, we're going to shut this down. We're going to throw these people in jail. And, and they didn't usually telegraph that. Trump is telling us what he intends to do. All right. So a lot of commentary there. Let me start by saying this. Donald Trump certainly has dictatorship type tendencies. And I think that's probably where Hillary Clinton was trying to go there. It seems as though Donald Trump admires people like Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. And I don't think that's a stretch. I mean, you know, he was sending love letters, as he called them, to Kim Jong-un and, and, and has had some praise for Vladimir Putin, because I think Donald Trump admires these types of evil, murderous dictators. So I think I understand where Hillary Clinton was going. But can we stop it with the Hitler comparisons? Even I wouldn't say that about Donald Trump. Adolf Hitler killed seven million Jews. I despise Donald Trump. As I've said time and time again, think he's a horrific human being. I know he's a horrific human being, but we got to stop these comparisons to Adolf Hitler. We have to stop that. It's wrong. You know, I remember just yesterday and for years now, I have been calling out those who use the term Nazi too much. And when we had the rabbi in studio the other day, Rabbi Yevitzvein, um, I, he agreed with me that the word Nazi is too loosely used. I remember when Marjorie Taylor Greene said, you know, if you're forcing your kids to put on a mask, you're, you're a Nazi. And that's wrong. We got to stop these comparisons to Nazi Germany. There is no comparison to that. You want to compare it to Hamas and call Hamas a bunch of Nazis? Okay, well, I have no problem with that. I mean, they're going out and massacring and killing as many uh, Jewish people as they can. Yes, I would compare them to Adolf Hitler. I think that's a fair comparison. But to compare Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler, even if he is a wannabe dictator, which I believe he is, it's a bad look for Hillary Clinton, and it's a bad look for Democrats to make those sort of comparisons. Focus on the issues. You want to call Donald Trump a criminal, uh, a snake oil salesman, even if you want to call him a racist, uh, so be it, because there are examples to prove that point. But to compare him to Adolf Hitler, uh, do I think Donald Trump would want to get rid of exterminate uh, Jewish people? No, I do not. As bad of a person I think Donald Trump is, I don't think Donald Trump would, would go out of his way to do that. No, I don't. I don't think it's a fair comparison. Just say he's a wannabe dictator. I think that's a fair statement to make. 
He admires Vladimir Putin. I've never heard Donald Trump say anything negative of Vladimir Putin. I mean, Joe Biden called him a war criminal because Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. And you shouldn't be sending love letters to evil, murderous dictators like Kim Jong-un. So I think Hillary Clinton made a mistake. And it's those types of mistakes and those types of statements that are a little bit extreme, in my opinion, that might have been part of the reason why she lost the 2016 election to Donald Trump. And oh, yeah, for people out there that want to say Democrats claim that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, Hillary Clinton conceded the next day. So that's a lie. That is a lie. Hillary Clinton did talk about Russian interference. Russia did interfere in our elections. Did I think that moved the needle? No, I don't. Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 election because she didn't resonate with uh, the overwhelming majority of the American people. Uh, I, I just don't think she I just think she was a little bit too robotic and she made some blunders and she ran a really bad campaign. That's why she lost the 2016 election. And there were people like myself, even though I didn't vote for Donald Trump either. There were people like myself who said, to you know, maybe Donald Trump will lower the rhetoric. He's a showman. But maybe if he comes becomes the president of the United States, he'll tone down the rhetoric and he'll just do the job. I was wrong. Obviously, I was wrong. And I admit that. And if I had to do it all over again and we could rewind back to 2016, while it probably wouldn't have mattered, I would have voted for Hillary Clinton. But I didn't do that in 2016. She didn't resonate with me. I've never liked the Clintons. I never probably will like the Clintons. And Bill Clinton, you could make the argument, was a pretty darn good president. We had a surplus. He worked with Republicans. A lot of good policy. He was a good policy maker. But. You know, he also embarrassed embarrassed the dignity of the White House by doing what he did with Monica Lewinsky and lying about it. So morally speaking, uh, he was not a good president. But from an economy standpoint, he certainly was a good president and he was a partisan president, meaning he was able to work with the other side. But we got to stop these comparisons to Nazi Germany. We got to stop these comparisons to Adolf Hitler on both sides of the aisle. It has to stop. The right does it way too much and the left does it way too much. As much as I despise Donald Trump as being a horrific human being, you cannot compare him to Adolf Hitler. It's wrong. You can't do that. And, you know, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world during COVID and those that were saying, Dr. Fauci is a Nazi and making us wear masks. You're, it's like Nazi Germany. You're a Nazi. That is also wrong. They're both wrong. You can disagree with policy. It doesn't mean that the people that are putting the policies in place are Nazis. We got to stop throwing that word around like it's nothing. And Hillary Clinton made a mistake on The View. Call out Donald Trump for what he is. A wannabe dictator, I think, is a very fair characterization. He's a wannabe dictator. He's a compulsive liar. He's a narcissist. Attacks on our democracy and he's dangerous for this country. If she makes that statement, I have no problem with it at all because that's how I feel. But no, I wouldn't go as too far as, as to compare any politician in this country to Adolf Hitler. That's wrong. The Democrats need to stop doing that. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this very tragic story of this mayor, Smith Station, Alabama, who took his own life. Why? Well, It might surprise you, it might not surprise you to find out that it was actually a quote-unquote news organization that put this man to the brink of taking his own life. It's very sad. One of his close friends for many years, Larry Deshari is his friend, and uh, he's going to be joining us next to talk about this story. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, 
everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premium Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Is your dog suffering from a sensitive stomach? Hi, it's Kelly the Cookie Lady from Mooch's Munchies. Our dogs had super sensitive tummies and I needed to find a low-fat treat that wouldn't give them gas or other issues. Most of the treats on the market were loaded with fillers, chemicals, and chicken fat. Many of them weren't even food. Well, I knew I could do better, so I developed Mooch's Munchies, and I'm happy to be able to share them with you. Stop by our store or our website, moochesmunchies.com, and find out why we say that Mooch's Munchies are totally possum. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Quick programming note also, tonight is the third Republican presidential debate, so we'll have all the uh, reaction to it. Former presidential candidate uh, Joe Walsh will be joining us on the show tomorrow to talk a little bit uh, about that, so stay tuned for that for tomorrow as we'll have all the uh, coverage of that for you. Okay, so really tragic story coming out of Alabama. I talked about it briefly uh, earlier in the week, uh, a guy by the name of F.L. Bubba Copeland, he's the uh, mayor of Smith Station, Alabama, and a pastor at the First Baptist Church. He took his own life last week, and his death uh, came two days after a right-wing publication called 1819 News, conservative outlet, published pictures of him 
wearing women's clothing and makeup and it put him to the brink of, I would imagine, uh, some severe depression and took his own life. It's an awful story. It's very sad. And uh, the guy joining with us uh, on the line right now, he is a longtime friend of Bubba Copeland. He actually ran for Congress and uh, got the superintendent of the year uh, and since has retired. Uh, quite the resume he has. Uh, his name is Larry Deschiari, who joins us right now. Larry, let me just start off by saying I'm so sorry uh, for the loss of your friend. And I, I do appreciate you joining us during this difficult time. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. And I appreciate you, Brian. Thank you. Um, it, it's been a tough week, but there are people that were closer to him than I was that's had it tougher. And so, but I'm glad to shed some insights on it. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you being here. Um, talk to me a little bit about your friendship with him over the years. How long have you known him for? Well, in 2004, I became the superintendent of schools in Phoenix City, Alabama, and Bubba was from Smith Station, Alabama, and their their sister cities. And um, he was involved. He was a uh, school board member for the Lee County School System, which was a neighboring school district. And we often attended trainings together or meetings or different functions that school officials were invited to. Um, I would run into him at the grocery store. I would run into him at ball games. Um, and so we just struck up a friendship. He was always very kind to me. We, um, we talked education. We talked sports. Um, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, he did that for about 10 years, I guess, um, 10 or 11 years. And then he later be- ran and became the mayor of Smith Station, the city of Smith Station, uh, he was a very popular mayor, uh, very well liked by everyone, um, very jovial guy, just always smiling, always ready to give a, a hug, hmm. um, just an just a all-around good guy. And um, uh, I know that during that period of when I was a superintendent, um, sometimes um, I challenged the, the establishment and sometimes I battled with city council members and others and Bubba was always there to give me words of encouragement and, and basically just say, Doc, just keep fighting the good fight. Sounds like he was a great uh, guy. I mean, from what you're was. telling me, I, a family man, I don't, good family I don't know man. anybody that didn't like him. Yeah, that's that sounds sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, it sounds like he was a great guy. Is it fair to also characterize him as a good family man? My understanding is he was married, right? Yes, he was married. Uh, he has like a maybe a 16, 17-year-old son. Mm. He has two daughters, I think, are around 11 years old. Um, uh, beautiful wife. Um, good, good kids. Good, good wife. I mean, his mother was a former um, county commissioner. Um, very active in the community. Very well-respected um, at the schools that the children go to. He was always supportive of the schools. Um, and then he became uh, the senior pastor at First Baptist Church mm-hmm. in Phoenix City. And um, again, just just respected and admired by everyone. So let's now go to what has taken place here in the last few weeks. And from what we understand is that in private, and I don't really care about this, he was wearing female clothing. And I guess the word that some people use is he was outed by what some people would characterize as a conservative outlet called 1819 News. My understanding is you had a conversation with Mr. Copeland 
just a few days right before he took his own life. What can you actually? Tell actually, it was tw- about twenty four hours wow. before he took his life. Wow, that's unbelievable. So, what can you tell us about that conversation? Because obviously, what led to him taking his own life was this news outlet, and I put quotations yeah. in there. This conservative news outlet. What can you tell us about that conversation you had with him? Yeah, um, the outlet itself. I don't know anything about him. Um, I just. Um, being on social media myself, um, I saw the story um, that was put out there. Uh, I read the story. Um, I don't know if the stuff that he put in there was uh, verified or not. I do know that when Bubba came out publicly about it, he admitted to um, uh, enjoying um, wearing women's clothing and, and makeup occasionally at home. Uh, with his wife's participation and and acceptance, um, the other stuff that they reported in uh, online, I, I I don't know if it's true or not, and that's why I don't even want to repeat it because I could just be contributing to spreading, you know, salacious gossip. And um, but what I witnessed was more and more people piling on, and it it, it was turning into the only thing I can call it is like a feeding frenzy. It just got worse and worse and worse. And jokes were being said, some very derogatory things. People were calling him names because, you know, you're a preacher and you're lying to your church members. And I mean, there was just all these, you know, insulting things um, that people were saying. And I, I had no doubt that that was very hurtful to him. So I just simply shot him a text. Uh, I had his phone number and I shot him a text and said, Hey, Bubba, you know, just remember you're a good man with a big heart. Um, I know this has been tough. Just, just keep your head up. And he responded back. I really appreciate um, you reaching out doc. Um, And he said, um, it has been some very dark days. And so I responded, I'm sure it has, uh, but uh, hang in there because it will pass. And those were the last words that we said. And that was at 340 something in the afternoon. Um, And then the next day in the afternoon is when he took his own life. God, it's just it's just so sad. Now, I have to ask you this, and I hate to make things political. But again, this is a conservative outlet. I know that, you know, you ran for Congress as a staunch Republican and in no way, shape or form am I saying that all Republicans would do what this outlet did. I'm not inferring that at all. But with that being said, I think you know this pretty well, that on the far right, it seems like there are a lot of attacks on those that are, whether they be transgenders or those in the LGBT community. And here's a good-hearted man. You know him best. Good-hearted man. Good family man. Who cares what he did in his own private home? Who cares? And you have this conservative outlet that outs him for what what I can see, doing nothing wrong in the privacy of his own home. What would be your message to some of the extreme Republicans out there, or even this news outlet, that did what they did to this man, Mr. Copeland, that you were close to? Well, first of all, I... I don't have any respect for any um, outlet, whether it's a news television outlet or or a blogger or whatever, if they put information out there that um, is not verified. Um, b- because, I mean, until it's verified, it's just rumor. 
and you're not being responsible if you do that. The second, and, and I know that news outlets have the right to, if, if they think something is newsworthy, um, then they have certainly have the right to do that. Um, my biggest problem was how everyone jumped on board to basically bully this guy. Um, and, and that's the part I had the real problem with is because I was a former superintendent. I can't tell you how many times I would get phone calls from some of these very same people complaining that their children were being bullied in school or on the school bus. And they expected me to do something about it to, you know, to stop it. Well, apparently as adults, they think that it's okay to bully another adult. And I just saw the hypocrisy in that. So what I was hoping is by me speaking out, um, um, I knew that, that my post would have uh, some, some good reach to a lot of people in the community. And I was just trying to make something good come out of something that was so tragic. And right. that is, um, you know, it don't matter the party affiliation. It, it doesn't matter um, his sexual orientation or the color of his skin. Uh, I mean, you don't do that to a fellow human being. Now, if you want to have that private conversation with your spouse, if you want to, you know, talk to your brother about it or your sister about it. But once you put it out there in the public forum, you you have to know that there are people that could be hurt, tragically hurt, uh, whether it's his children, it's his cousins, it's his uncles, it's his mother, whoever. A lot of people were going to be hurt. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that, that we talk about all the time is, you know, the, the public's right to know. And um, I don't I'm not a I'm not a journal, journalism major. I don't know what those code of ethics are, uh, but I do know it's never right to bully someone to death. And you're not you cannot appoint yourself as the judge, jury and executioner. Right. And that's what I witnessed happening. Mm -hmm. And believe me, as late as last night, I'm still receiving criticism from some of those people who say, hey, you know, you're doing the same thing by lumping us into a community of people that did that. Um, and what my response was, was two things. The difference is um, I did not single a person out and bully that person to death. That's what y'all did. Y'all singled a person out. I spoke generically um, to, to whoever wanted to read my post um, and, and wasn't singling anybody out. Nobody was identified. Larry, I'm uh, amazed though. I just want to get context to this. You're telling me that this is your friend and you're defending him and, and, and you're hurting and you're saying this should have never happened, that he was bullied. And you had this 1819 news organization that outed him. And I don't see anything wrong with what you said, with what you're posted. And you're telling me there are people in your community that have a problem with you doing that. I, I don't understand that you did nothing well, wrong. You're defending your friend. Well, that's exactly right. And, and you have to understand, I had over 1,200 people respond to my post. I would say that 1,150 of them were positive and they were paying tribute to Bubba. They, many of them thanked me for having the courage or the integrity to speak out uh, when a lot of people are afraid to, uh, because they don't want to be the victim, the next victim of that cyberbullying. Right. Uh, but there's still that small segment that on my post were happy about 
what happened that seemed to be happy that <sighs> good riddance, you know, they, Disgusting. they memes, making fun and so forth. Um, and then they, they brought out the fact that I was a superintendent. I should be wanting to defend children better. And, and, um, and, and by me speaking out about what happened that somehow I'm, um, I'm, I'm not supporting children and I'm not supporting their safety and all this stuff. That's outrageous. So, you know, I, so, we, we hear this all the time, don't we, Larry? Uh, and again, I try not to make things political unless I feel like I have to. But in this aspect, we hear our children are being indoctrinated, right? right? We hear that all the time, not from the left. We do hear that from the right. Not every Republican feels that way, but our children are being indoctrinated. And here you have, and I would imagine those are some of the same people that have a problem with you and your statement. Here we have a nice man by, by, by your, uh, you know, what, what you're telling me and, and some of his other friends on social media, a good family man, a nice man, a good father, a good husband. And they're attacking you saying good riddance basically. And we need to protect our children. I yeah. find that to be bat, you know, what crazy and yeah. absolutely despicable, Larry. Well, it is. And one of the responses that I gave to some of those people um, is, you know, there's an old expression that if you throw a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that yelps the loudest is probably the one you hit. So those people that were being critical, I'm sure, were those dogs that got hit in the head with that rock. Yeah. And they're yelping the loudest. They're the ones feeling the guilt. And, and I hope they do feel the guilt. I don't feel guilty about making my post. No, you did nothing wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they feel guilty about what they did. Yeah. Because if there's anything good that can come out of this, I just want the next time something like this happens. Yeah. That people will reflect and think twice before they yeah. go into a feeding frenzy. Right. And, and, and drive a person to commit yeah. suicide. I, I think my next question is an important one because, listen, you're a man who ran for Congress, right? You wanted to become a policymaker. You're well-respected in your community. As I mentioned earlier, you were the superintendent of the year. You have quite the resume. So I want to ask you this question because I think it's an important one. I have no idea what your position is on gay marriage, on transgenders, or even people that dress, men that dress in female clothing. I don't know what your position is on that, but I will ask it in this way. Mm -hmm. What your friend has gone through and sadly him taking his own life, has it changed your position at all on any of those topics since you're someone that did run for office? No. Um, like I shared with my wife when we discussed it, it, it really doesn't matter what my position is on any of those things. My post had to do with our, our community, not all of them, but a segment of the community took it upon themselves to bully a man to death. And that should be the only issue here. Yeah. It shouldn't matter what my politics are or anybody else's. Um, it doesn't matter if it happened to a, uh, uh, an athlete, uh, mm -hmm. a conservative superstar. It doesn't matter. Um, it's the, the uh, relentless attacks that took place yeah. is where, is why I spoke out. I agree. And, yep. and, and I just said, you know, um, one of the people that was critical online, uh, I deleted, they said some horrific things about Bubba and I deleted it. And so one of their friends responded, you know, why, why did you, why did you delete the truth? Why did you delete it? And, and my response was, because first, we don't know whether it's the truth or not. Second, 
are y'all not satisfied that you've already killed one person? His mother's going to read this post. His wife is probably going to read this post. His children may read this post. Are you not satisfied that you drove one man to kill himself? Are you? Do you want another victim? Do you want two more victims? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to let you do that on my post. Yeah, good for you. So, good for so, you for doing that. I, I guess that, that leads me to another question. Like, I hear a lot of people in society today, uh, whether it be Candace Owens or others, that say, why are there so many more transgenders now and there were none 10, 20, 30 years ago or people who are gay? Why are there so many gay people now? Why are there so many people that are cross-dressers now? And my response to them, Larry, is always, well, it's a lot more socially acceptable now than it was back then. It's not that we didn't have these people back then. They just maybe weren't comfortable in being who they are. And I feel like, and you could tell me if you disagree or not, that perhaps Bubba Copeland was not comfortable being who he was outside of his home. He did it in the privacy of his own home, but probably the reason why he did that is because he was afraid of what could happen, and inevitably it did happen with some pictures, right? I mean, I just feel like that's where he was probably at, and isn't that sad that you can't be who you are in society because you have so many people out there that will still judge you? What's really sad, you're absolutely right, but what's really sad is if he had come out and even if he had not taken his life, and if he had said, folks, I'm happier when I'm dressed like a woman, he was so well-liked, people would have accepted it just fine. Even the real conservative folks, even the real Christian folks, they would have accepted it because there's nowhere that says that that you know, you're sinning if you wear the opposite sex clothes. I mean, think about it. Women for many, many years, all they ever wore were dresses and Mm -hmm. and corsets and so forth. Now they're wearing men's pants, men's jackets, men's shirts, you know, so there's no criticism there. And and so so we we've got to think about it. You know, here in the South, there's this kind of belief that if somebody is deviating from the norm, wearing women's clothing, if they're a man, whatever that somehow um, they've been kind of raised, I guess, that that in their Christian beliefs, that somehow um, this person is sinning or this person must be possessed or being influenced by the devil. And we Christians must fight back. Us Christians must, must exercise the devil out of his body or something. And we'll do right. that through criticism and we'll do that through, right. through um, you know, force. And um, and they feel like it's their duty to do that. Mm. And and that's the real sad part, because, again, you know, you know what the Bible says about, you know, cast the first stone if you if you don't have sin. And um, and it says, do not judge. We all do some judging. I mean, it's it's a human nature thing. But once you start judging publicly and you do it in such a vile way that leads to a man's death, that's where it crosses the line. And that's what made me want to write the Facebook post that I did. And I'm glad you did that. Um, So you mentioned conservative Christians. So I'm going to ask you a a two-part question here. What would be your message to the conservative Christians out there 
that want to judge other people and demean other people, and as you mentioned, bully other people, what would be your message to those conservative Christians out there that do that if their sexuality or their behavior is different than theirs? And what would also be your message to this 1819 news publication that is a conservative news site? What would be your message to both parties? Well, the first message to the 1819 folks is you should be ashamed. That's the first thing. Um, To my Christian brothers and sisters, my message would be, um, if you're so Christian, then you know what the Bible says about judging and so forth. Um, um, Live your beliefs and don't just speak your beliefs. And, And again, whether you disagree with their lifestyle or not, um, you just simply can't publicly flog the person. You can't publicly stone the person. And that's pretty much what happened. There was a stoning that took place, but it was by words. And somebody died because of it. And so, so I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's one of those subjects where, where if you feel like their behavior is harming somebody, even I'm going to try to step in. If you think that behavior is harming somebody, I spent my whole career protecting and nurturing children. So if I saw that that was happening where somebody was was being trafficked or somebody was being sexually exploited, then then I'm going to probably try to step in and stop it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in this case. There was no real evidence of that. Can I ask you something in regards to that? Because I I think you touched on something that is really important. And I talk about these issues on my show every day. Do you feel since, you know, you talked about nurturing children and, and, and I believe you based on your resume and what you've done in your career. Do you feel like others feel that drag queen reading to kids is is this horrible thing that's hurting children? I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that people do believe that. Um, I, I, I also believe that um, some of what I'm seeing is going too far. It's going overboard. Um, and there's so much that I want to leave up to the parents to teach their children and expose their children to. And when things happen that I think goes too far, now you've just infringed upon the rights of the parents. And then that's when when I speak out. There are certain things. I have three boys. They're all adults now. Um, There were certain things that I didn't want my children exposed to um, until they reached a certain age. Mm -hmm. And I was a papa bear angry if I saw somebody exposing them to stuff that they weren't ready for. Um, I, I wanted to be the parent that did that when I thought the time was right. So so I think. That's where it starts. These people that probably are decent people, if they don't understand what's happening or if they're getting misinformation, then they're going to think that these children are being harmed and then they're going to fight like a mama bear. And and we can't blame people for wanting to do that. Um, And so that's why it's a it's a touchy it's a touchy subject. Um, I know my experience is that sometimes schools take it too far. Um, there are things that I see happening in some schools across the country that I say out loud, that would have never happened in my if I was the superintendent of that school district. Um, there are certain things that I think um, 
need to be left up to the parents to when they want to expose their children to it. Yeah. And, and, and we, you know, in, there's a Latin phrase that all educators are aware of. It's called in loco parentis. And, and basically it means that um, you're the parent of that child when they're in your custody. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they're in your school, you're, you're like that parent. And we have a responsibility to protect them just like a parent would. Mm-hmm. Whether we believe in what's happening or not, we still have to leave that up to a parent. Yeah, sure. To decide what's best and for and, and I agree. And I think you know that when it comes to the drag queen reading, a parent has the right to bring their daughter or son to that. And a parent doesn't have to bring their son or daughter to that, right? That's not, that shouldn't be happening in our schools. And, and I I think we would agree on that. Uh, You know, what I don't like is when, you know, I would imagine some of the same people that were attacking you for your social media post might be some of the same types of people that are picketing in front of a target and harassing customers for going in there because they might be selling some pro LGBT clothing. And what I say, Larry, and you can tell me whether you disagree or not is a parent goes in there with their kids. Guess what? They don't have to go to that section and buy stuff. They could keep walking. And then there are parents that want to bring their kids to that section. And, and, and you said it, you know, let the parents decide. I agree with you 100%. But what I don't like are the parents that are outside the target that are trying to tell other parents what to do. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. Let's go back to the Bubba Copeland thing. Sure. If that parent disagrees with Target and they want to not shop there and they want to let their pocketbook do the speaking, mm-hmm. fine. That's your right to do that. The only person that gets harmed there is Target and their sales. Right. But you don't go find the, the CEO of Target and you go on this media blitz criticizing them, social media, you know, rumors about the CEO and so forth to the point where that CEO goes and shoots themselves. Right. Now you've crossed the line. And that's the same thing that happened in Bubba Copeland's place. You have the right to protest his lifestyle, if you want, uh, but there's a way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And and I feel like it was done the wrong way. It doesn't even matter. I mean, my opinion doesn't matter whether I think it was wrong or not. The man's funeral is today or tomorrow. Mm. That's proof enough right there that it was done the wrong way. No doubt. And, you know, suicide is is very serious and mental illness, depression, whatever we're talking about. But I, I do feel like there are people that are treated differently than others. I think there are two different types of people in society, regardless of what your personal views are. There are people in society that want people to live their lives and be happy and be who they are. And then there are a group of people in society, like some of the people that were attacking you on social media, that want to interfere in other people's lives, want to hurt other people, or in this case, put someone in a position where they take their own life, which is so tragic, and they want to put people in that position. Why? Because they just disagree with their lifestyle. I mean, I, well, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Brian, what will help it make some sense to you, and I saw this as an educator. Um, there are some parents that want to feel relevant. They want to feel like they have a little bit of control and a little bit of authority. And I've seen people, once they feel a little bit of that authority, man, they poke their chest out and they get even more bold and even, even worse in our schools. And there were many times that we had to try to get that under control because 
for the first time, when they do something like that, for the first time, they're getting compliments from their friends. They're getting pats on the backs for the first time. So they start feeling something good about themselves that they're not used to feeling. So it only encourages them to then do more Mm. and to raise hell more and to express their opinion more because they're not used to getting that validation from, from anybody, from their parents, from whoever. And so, so that feels good to them. It's like a drug. And then that helps understand, helps you understand why, even though they think it might be wrong what I'm doing, I love this high that I'm feeling. And when I read those comments for two days straight, people were feeling good about themselves uh, raising hell about Bubba Copeland's lifestyle. They they were feeling good about themselves. Uh, you could just see it in the tone of their text. And um, and that's the part that just made me feel kind of ashamed and um, that people were actually thinking that way and doing what they were doing right before our eyes. I, I just didn't really get incensed about it, however, until the man took his life because I just... I didn't think it would lead to that. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned depression. I have no idea whether Bubba was depressed. You would, I, I guarantee you, if you surveyed a thousand people, 999 would say, no, Bubba Cobble is not depressed. Right. But, but people hide it. Good food. He's always laughing. He's always yeah. jovial. Um, but something snapped in him. Yeah. Um, and, um, Maybe he had some depression going on. I don't, I don't it know. It could be possible, but let me ask you this. I mean, as far as this 1819 News conservative uh, news site, do you feel that they should be uh, sued? I know it's not going to bring that Mr. Copeland back, sadly, but do you feel like the family has the right to file a lawsuit against this news outlet, this conservative news outlet, for doing what they did? Well, obviously, the family has the right to sue anybody that they want. Um, whether they'll win or not, I don't know. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because if they are a news site, they have the right to, um, to print news that they think is newsworthy to the public. Um, and if they've got sources that they can verify and back up what they put in there, what they did, was it right? Or was it wrong? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that if if they if they validated their sources, then they yeah. certainly then had the right to to publish it. If, Correct if, me if I'm know. wrong, though. I don't I don't think it's newsworthy unless it affect it could affect that person's job. I see no evidence that Mr. Copeland, who was a loved mayor uh, in that town, it sounds like the fact that he's dressing in female clothing at home. I don't think that affects his job at all. So well, I, I wouldn't say that that's newsworthy. That's my personal opinion. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Well, I personally don't think it's newsworthy. However, the people that made their comments felt like the fact that he was a minister right. preaching one lifestyle, yet having a different one they thought was hypocritical. And again, it, it doesn't violate the law. It right. may be an ethical issue or a moral issue or whatever, but um Again, what's really hard is to go into the mind of the people that went into this feeding frenzy. Right. I don't know what went into the mind. Let me let me say this. When I ran for Congress, um, there were media outlets out there that did not want me to win. They 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 pick they pick sides a lot of times. Yep. And um, 
And there were times that I saw stories or I saw things online that I just said, that's not true. Right. Why'd they say that? That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. And and there are actually outlets that are designed to be attack dogs yes, to go after people. Very true. I don't know if that's what this 1819 thing does. We've had a couple of uh, news outlets like this in Alabama that I know for a fact um, had an agenda to go after opponents of a particular political uh, affiliation. Um, I felt it, you know, myself when I was out there. And so um, maybe somebody had aspirations to run for mayor, you know, that, that felt like I'd never be able to beat him uh, unless I make sure this stuff gets out. Yeah. Uh, you're the mayor of a city. Maybe you didn't give a contract to a waste disposal company that was upset that they didn't get that contract. Right. So they decided I'm going to get you back. Yeah. And that's we also no wrong. I- yeah. yeah. That, that's- we have no idea what, yeah. what caused it to happen and what motivated 1819, because here's the question you have to ask whoever, whoever, had this information and outed the mayor. Why didn't they go to the mainstream media? Why didn't they go to the three or four TV stations that are right there in Columbus, Georgia, or in Montgomery, Alabama? Why didn't they go to the four or five newspapers that are there locally? They didn't. They went to this group. You know why? Because in my personal opinion, most of those real news outlets Probably, Probably don't. wouldn't have printed it. Exactly. Boom. Right. There it is. They don't care what somebody does in the privacy of their own home so long as they're not breaking the law. It shouldn't have been a news story. And this right-wing news outlet wanted to demean a man, a husband, and a father because maybe some of them don't agree with his lifestyle of putting on female clothing. I find it abhorrent, disgusting. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Going after someone because of what clothes they wear or their sexuality is disgusting. And I try to call that out every day. And sadly, this man took his life because of it. And it gets me so angry. Let me say this, Larry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for the loss of your friend. To his friends and family, my heart goes out to them. This should have never happened. And if there's anything we can do to help the family, please reach out to me and let me know. I want to raise awareness about this. And this this type of hatred needs to stop. Let people live their lives. Certainly, if, if it doesn't affect their job, which clearly it didn't with this man, um, it's it's just awful, Larry. And um, well, yeah, the, go ahead. the anger that you just expressed is exactly what I was feeling when I decided to do the Facebook post. I just felt like there has to be something positive come out of this, um, and even if it's chastising whoever thought this was the right route to take, yeah, to to get this guy they need to know that what they did was wrong. And we're, you know, they love to justify and say, well, what he was doing was wrong. I don't care about all that. What I care about is he was a human being that was stoned in the public arena to death. And that's never okay. I could, could not agree with you more, Larry. Very well said. Again, I appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Thoughts and prayers to all of his friends and family. And anytime you'd like to jump back on with us, you're welcome to do so. And I, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, Larry, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Brian. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. That's Larry Dishiari. Uh, he ran for Congress as a Republican, and uh, he won the Superintendent of the Year Award. He's been friends with this man, Mr. Copeland, for years, who sadly took his own life because a right-wing conservative news site 
called 1819 News, decided to uh, publish pictures of this man wearing women's clothing. And because of that, inevitably, just a few days later, Mr. Copeland took his own life. It's disgusting. We all need to call it out. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Hate is hate. This should have never happened. This man should still be alive. And it's just awful. He has children. He has a lovely wife. And it's just horrible, horrible. And again, my my thoughts and prayers go out to this man's family. And we uh, appreciate Larry Deshari uh, uh, speaking about this uh, during this very difficult time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be switching topics. Uh, the big man, Paul McKeskey, is going to be joining us in studio next, the 11-year NBA veteran. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience of a trusted expert, 702 702- Five four zero three three one one. 
All right, welcome back. It is uh, Pushing the Limits. On a Wednesday, as I mentioned, we have the third Republican debate tonight. Narrowed down to, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, six people. And uh, we'll have a full reaction to the debate tomorrow. Uh, Former presidential candidate and former congressman Joe Walsh is going to be joining us on the show to comment on that. And the UNLV legend himself, Anderson Hunt, his jersey is going to be retired on Saturday, and we got Anderson Hunt that's going to be in studio tomorrow. Oh, that's why I got bumped. That's for. why. Okay, that's that's I why see. Big Mo Paul McKeskey got bumped. I see. Wow. Um, and then you know, listen, you guys could play a little bit of one on one, and we can see, you know, uh, who wins that battle. What do you think, Big Mo Paul McKeskey joining us in studio? <laughs> uh, the eleven-year NBA veteran 12. and twenty-year coach, twelve-year NBA veteran, eleven and a half. Let's go eleven 12. and a half. 12-year NBA veteran and 20-year coach joining us in the studio. Yes, I did ask Big Mo to come in a day earlier because Anderson, who who lives in Detroit, he's in town and the only day he can do is Thursday. And Mo was gracious enough to say yes. What were his numbers at UNLV? I don't even, I know he's a good player. I got to get Justin look those up, but uh, they were pretty darn good. Yeah, I think they were too. (laughs) And let's remember, uh, without Anderson Hunt, I don't think they win the national title. He was the MVP uh, and Anderson had one of probably when he was in his prime, he had probably one of the sweetest jump shots I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And he was a great athlete. Yeah. And he played on that team, of course, with Greg Anthony, Unbelievable with, with Grandmama, Larry Johnson, with Plastic, Ma- uh, uh, I mean, with Stacey Ogman. I mean, what a team that was, yeah, and what yeah. a great coach, and what a what a ba- what a team with unbelievable athletes. What a great era of UNLV basketball. It really was, wasn't That's it? That's when they were the running rebels. They <laughs> were they were unbelievable. And listen, they should have beaten Duke the following year. Uh, Duke, I was at that game. Were you really in Minneapolis? Yep. Do you agree with me that UNLV probably wins nine out of ten? against yeah, that team. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah, 9 yeah. out of 10, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think UNLV could have played much worse. I don't think Duke could have played much better. Yeah. I, I, and I know That's... LJ is always going to be asked this question. LJ, you got to take that last shot. Yeah, I was <laughs> uh, I was with a group of guys, and, and uh, you know, we went to the Final Four, and I've been to a lot of Final Fours. I don't usually go to the game. I usually either sell my ticket or give it away. But uh, they had put – they hated Duke. So we had hats – yeah. And sh- we had hats that's, that said F Duke. And we had <laughs> shirts that said anybody but Duke. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. All right. So what am I looking at here? You asked me about Anderson Hunt's yeah, his numbers uh, NLV, yeah. statistics. So um, I'm looking at minutes played and then I'm looking at uh, field goals, uh, field goal percentage. Points uh, per game. Uh, what were, where's the points per game? I'm, I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at here. What were the, Where's the points? Okay, there we go. So he averaged throughout his entire career 15 points a game. His junior year, he averaged over 17 points a game. Yep. Uh, when he was a freshman, he averaged 12 a game, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he, he made progress. He made uh, 12 points a game to 16 points a game to 17 points a game. And you look at his free throw percentage. You look at his three-point percentage. I mean, the guy was shooting like 50% from three. Uh, I mean, forty uh, percent. Uh, you know, when he was a junior. I mean, the guy, the guy could shoot like he would. Uh, he would average over twenty a game right now because back then, even if you could shoot threes, you weren't allowed yeah. to shoot many threes. So he would be a guy that would be shooting fifteen threes a game. Yeah, you know, so his average would go up into yes. the twenties for sure. He was he was a hell of a college player, and I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow because, uh, like I said, I like our athletic director now. 
Um, I think Eric Harper, I don't think I know it. He's made some good decisions. Well, football, for sure. Great decision with Coach Odom, but this is another good decision. You know, Anderson's jersey should have been retired years ago. What the hell was Desiree Reed Francois doing? What the hell were these prior, what was Jim Livengood doing? Why didn't you reach out to Anderson and do this, you know, a long time ago? I hope Larry Johnson's here. I'm going to ask Anderson Hunt. Uh, if any of his former players will be here, which they should oh, be, be awesome, yeah. uh, I have an Anderson Hunt jersey and uh, I'm going to be wearing it on Saturday and I don't care if I'm a member of the media or not. Anderson's a friend of mine. He's a good dude. He's going to be in studio tomorrow and I'm really happy for him. You cool. should bring it and see if he'll sign it. Unlike he already somebody. did sign it. Oh, did he? Or, yeah, may, he did. or maybe he'll be like me and he won't freaking sign it. Yeah. Mo never signs any of my basketball cards. <laughs> you know, it is true. When I was like 14 years old, when Mo was the head coach of a CBA team called the Hartford Hellcats, right? And I was I was still collecting autographs at that age, and I had um, a lot of basketball cards. I don't know where they all went. I don't know if I sold them or somebody stole them. But I took like a bunch <laughs> Your of. Your mom sold. I had like four or five Paul McKeskey cards, right? And I brought them to a game, and that's what I would do. I would I would have them try to sign every single one of them. I don't know if I ever told Mo this story because I just thought about this. So what I did with Dino Raja, because I was a big Celtics fan, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day, yeah. I, I, you know, again, I'm like a 13, 12 year old kid, right? I'm not some adult trying to sell them. I had like 10 Dino Raja cards. Dino mm -hmm. signed every single one of them yeah. for me before the game. And I'm like, wow, thanks, Dino. Mm -hmm. And then he like patted me on the head. No mm -hmm. problem. I will say this. I brought five Paul McCaskey cards for him to sign. He only signed Two. one. Two. He only signed one. So I listen, listen, I don't want to. Be critical here. You're just going to put them on eBay and sell them for a lot of money. <laughs> Isn't it true, though, that people people send you <laughs> stuff in the mail, right? What I do get, you get in the mail? I get cards to sign, probably. What's the weirdest thing you ever got in the mail to sign? Uh, that, that, I, uh, <laughs> mostly they just send cards. and I and, How you do know, they get your address? Uh, no. They hit knowledge. up the Milwaukee Bucks. We're gonna, hey, no, where's Paul no, McKeskey? You, you can look. You can find anybody's address. All those That's people. That's creepy, think, man. All those people that think, well, he gave his address out, so it's bullcrap. What you would you do, it. Mo, if you and your wife are at home, and a middle-aged man, let's just say somebody like a Christian Win, okay, shows up <laughs> with like five-year jerseys and like twenty cards for you to sign? What do you do when you answer the door? Well, I have my Glock with me for sure. <laughs> That's number one. And number two, I say, get off my lawn. Get the hell off my lawn. <laughs> but the, but the thing is now that uh, players have to fight against is, you know, and I do that. Um, you know, people do get you to sign them and they just auction them off and that's not right. So if you like people will send me, I get probably five to 10 letters a week with cards in them to that sign. Many? Wow. And I always, I sign them unless someone sends me like eight cards. Yeah. Then I'll sign three and send, and send yeah. those, but. Because they sell them, and especially yeah. in today's, I mean, LeBron James, any of those things, I mean, they're going to sell them. And that, you know, when you see adults there, it's different than when you see kids there. But of now, course. but here's what happens. Adults get kids to go get the autograph. Okay, I'm going to give you a little pushback, but before I do, we just did a quick Google search of you, and we have your address. Don't worry, I won't give it out on the air. Paul K. McKeskey, I'm pretty sure that's who you are. Uh, so there you go, ladies you and gentlemen. You can find anybody. I, <laughs> and if you pay $5, you can find anybody's address. It says you live in a studio apartment downtown. Is that true? Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Hold on. Wait. I've, I've lived in, in 30 places. I don't know where that is. <laughs> Hold on. So does your address have Brian's favorite number in it? What's my favorite number? Can I look it up? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I see where Justin's going with that. That's the way he thinks. That's fine. Well, Go ahead. Th th think dirty. All right. Forget it. Don't say oh, it. Oh, yeah. Don't say it. Yeah, it does. <laughs>
<laughs> I had to say that. By the way, that's yeah, so. By the way, that's it's so, not a studio apartment. You've been to the Mokesh. That's so incorrect. What Justin just said, because any woman that's ever dated me would tell me that I was not into that. But anyway, that's another story for another show. Um, <laughs> We're getting off topic. We are way time. off. Topic. Where are we? I will give you. A, I want to give you a little bit of pushback on the autograph thing, and I think it's always good to have a little debate with you on this. I will say this. Yes, it is a little weird for middle-aged men to be following celebrities around and getting autographs. However, to the average person, they don't have the access to meet somebody like you, to meet any type of celebrity and get their autographs. So it's easier for them to go on eBay or go on a website. And if they're a fan of yours or a fan of anybody's, that they can go and purchase it because maybe they don't have the time, they don't have the energy, or they don't have the necessary means to get the autograph in person. So I feel like some of these people are providing a service for that. Yeah, and, they, and then I should get a percentage of that service then. Um, okay, if I'm signing I see where the you're, card, right? I, I see, should get 10%. I then. see where you're going with that. If you're signing for a true fan, then personalize it, and that way they're not going to sell yeah. it. That's what, where I would go with it. Yeah. Like if I'm a famous celebrity and I'm signing autographs for these weirdos in Hollywood that are you know selling them on eBay or whatever else, I would personalize. I say, sure. guys, I'm happy to sign an autograph yeah. for you. But I'm going to personalize yeah, it. But now, if you personalize it, now you're taking more time. And I would just throw them in the trash rather than personalize them and take more time. I'm just going to sign them and put them in. This, they send me an envelope. I put it in there and send it back. Yeah, no, that's nice of you to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess it's here nor there. But before we um, get into some Shoot, NBA. if you want to go into research, go see what it costs to buy one of my autograph cards. Well, I don't know. You tell me. I bet between. It depends on which ones they are. I got the ones that. You have a rookie, your rookie card? No. Well, no, I don't think oh, they had would, cards when I was a rookie. Really? What yeah, year was that? 79. They didn't have cards in 79? Well, not not for most people. Maybe for the big stars. I want to see that hairdo you had going in 1979. It was a fro. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> uh, the one is uh, 85, I think. And it's the one I hardly ever see because it was Jordan's rookie year. And most people don't open those packages of cards with Jordan's rookie card possibly in there. So I, I have a, a handful of those. But. I'm watching it. Is that the Fleer card or is that NBA Hoops? What is that? I'm looking at the Bucks card right now. Not autographed. Not autographed. How much do you think it's worth? $3. Yeah. $1.49. You're, you're like Autog Donald Trump. You're inflating yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not liable. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> You just doubled the value. That's against the law. <laughs> exactly. Where's if Ivanka I tried Trump? To, if I tried to sell it, it would <laughs> be Ivanka Trump. <laughs> That's funny. Uh not so if that, a bank gave me a loan. That NBA hoops card that I'm looking up right now, I think I have like twenty of those growing up. That's actually five dollars. So you undersold not, yourself. Not signed? There's one that's not signed. That's five ninety nine. Mo, right. you got a lot of cards on eBay. What, that what's there. that? But what is the, which one is that? That that's, might be the go Jordan ahead. One. It's no. the ninety ninety one hoops. Oh, that's the Warriors. You're you're posting up in this card. Oh, yeah. It's the Cavs. Oh, it's the Cavs. Okay. So I had a lot of those skybox. You know cards. who? Dude, the skyboxes were. Who the is best. he posting up against? Who Benoit is that? Benoit Benjamin. Benoit. Because the uh, biggest number one bust in the history of the NBA, right? Back then, the only pictures that the NBA really took were when you're in New York or when you're in LA. Yeah. So a lot of my cards have uh, the Clippers on them oh. uh, because that, that's where they took their pictures. You know, not like today where everybody has pictures. So we have a 2003 upper deck Kansas Jayhawk. 2013, not 2003. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a Kansas Jayhawk. This is a really nice. This is actually really beautiful. That's, I might buy this one, actually. It's $11.99. It's really uh, nice. I think you did a, a special. Um... So you saw, okay, click on that for a second. I have to give Mo some crap here again. 
Why is it that your autograph on this card is so beautiful? Like I can make out every single letter on this card, but yet you sign an autograph for me and just scribble. Just That's lucky. so disrespectful. Because you're lucky I even sign it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this card, this Kansas, and it's like, it's the most beautiful signature of you. It's a pretty cool picture of you too. And it's like the nicest autograph. Why can't I get that nice signature? Well, if you're nice to me, maybe I'll be nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So when you get cards in the mail, are you just scribbling your name? All right, get this the hell out of here. It, it, it depends. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the letters come with them, right? So some people say, hey, uh, I've been a fan for a long time, and or uh, this is for my son's collection, and stuff like that. That's uh, cool. Sometimes I get them from like most mil- of them are probably genuine. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I get them from military families and stuff like that. And I take, I, I do, I take a little more care in that. That's you know? that's but, cool. Yeah. But I try to sign it, you know, where they can read it and right, and all right. That, you know, unless it's me, then you spell my name brain. Yeah, I still have that card by yeah. the way. Two brain. Yeah, try to sell that one. PM. PM. <laughs> PM, PM, <laughs> just scribble it. Who cares? Try to sign this that stupid one. radio host, an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> so we have um, a great slate, Mo, of college basketball. And of course, I want to talk about your Kansas Jayhawks. They always seem to be good, right? This is an interesting time of the year because we either have really good competitive basketball games. We have these tournaments, or we have a game like we have, with all due respect to money, Kevin Kruger and UNLV. Game, yeah, game. we have this game um, that it, that that is against a team that nobody really knows. Um, so what do you make of this time of the year, early in the year, where teams are starting to get their identity right? The, you know, mm-hmm. What do you make of this time of the year? Well, I think, um, see, colleges, you it's not like the NBA or the NFL. You do your own schedule. So you make up your own schedule. So, you know, you can schedule between 10 and 12 wins easy if you want to before mm. you get to, to but what, league what does that? What good does that do for your team, though? Uh, get you in the tournament. Mm. So, uh, you know, but the really good teams schedule some of those and then really good competition where they see where they're at. Like on Tuesday next week, uh, there's a tournament, uh, I think in Chicago, and it's Kansas, Kentucky, uh, and two other top le- – Top level teams, you know, so that's like you're going to find out where you are real quick, right? You know, but the downside is that you might get your butt kicked because you're not prepared for that. But long term, doesn't that help you? Uh, it depends. I mean, it depends on your record and how you're fighting to get in the tournament. All right. Well, let me um, let me give a little context to, to what so, I'm uh, saying. Let me back up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me throw this scenario. So uh, we play uh, a tough team like that early in the season. We lose. And at the end of the season, we have 19 wins. And we're not very uh, uh, appealing to the NCAA. Now, we schedule somebody else who they didn't even know who we who beat us. So we have somebody else and we beat them. Now we have 20 wins. And now the NCAA is looking at us like, oh, they're a 20-win team. That's where it kind of comes in a little mm. sketchy. I, I just feel like early on in the season, there have been UNLV basketball teams that have, uh, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll go with year one of the Kevin Kruger era. They started off the year like 7-0 and or something, didn't they? They, they scheduled didn't, those. They didn't play anybody. Yeah, okay? they scheduled those. Yeah. And then it hurt them yeah. in conference play sure. because they weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Now, I will give Dave Rice credit. He played good teams. Uh, Marvin Menzies, up and down. Lon Kruger play, had a good out-of-conference schedule. What I loved about Lon Kruger is – 
good at a conference schedule. They were able to some years be top 25 during the year, which helped them a lot. And uh, they were prepared for the Mountain West Conference tournament. They were prepared for NCAA tournament games. Lon won NCAA games. Um, and then I feel like, you know, the, the, a bad out of conference schedule, you know, if you beat a couple good teams, you know, that's going to help you in March, even if you didn't have a great tournament in your conference tournament, uh, for the, uh, yeah, the you know, RPI. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I just yeah. feel like I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I just feel like it's better for a coach. Maybe listen, you don't want to get killed and get embarrassed, play some good basketball teams, sure. see how you fare, um, figure out your identity early. I just feel like a game like tonight, listen, I get it. You know, Kevin's got a lot of new faces, a lot of new players. You're playing this, a team that, a team like, that's, they shouldn't be playing a team like this. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Everybody does. That's part of the deal. I don't like it. And what it does is, um, uh, it gives that team, they're probably making a hundred to 150 grand to come in here. And that bolsters. That much money? Absolutely. And that goes into their, 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 their probably whole budget is a hundred grand. So that helps them. And if you do it correctly, uh, what you want to do is you want to schedule, um, I can't remember what they call them, not lollipop games, but something like really easy games. Early, find out where you're at, get some wins under your belt, then maybe test yourself Mm -hmm. against, uh, a really good team and then win a cu- and then get a couple more, you know, easier opponents and then another one. And now you find out where you're at and it only costs you two losses possibly. Uh, if you schedule five really tough teams, you know, and lose three of those games, it's going to hurt you. And here's what it does too, uh, Brian. It affects your players. They're kids. They're 17, 18, 19 years old. So, you know, you get killed by Kentucky early in the season. That's going to affect them for a couple of weeks. They just kicked our ass. My friends, my family saw them kick our ass. Now we got to recover. So you got to think about that also. But the, in my mind, I put together a schedule years ago for Stony Brook and, and we did that. We scheduled some wins and some uh, tough opponents. Yeah. Uh, and then we did well in the league. So there's a method to the madness and, uh, you know, but those there's 300 and what 40 teams, Division One teams. So, you know, 50 of those are, 60 of those are really bad. So, I know. think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but I feel like there needs to be some sort of happy medium. Don't make your schedule too easy. Oh yeah, give absolutely. me a few games with some pretty good top 50 teams. Sure. Um, doesn't mean you have to schedule eight games like that. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. Um, just you want your team to be prepared for conference play. Let me sure. ask you this now, UNLV. Preseason, uh, poll sixth in the Mountain West Conference. Not good. Kevin had a really good offseason, at least from what I hear. We're going to find out how good these players are starting tonight, but a uh, pretty good offseason with recruiting. He's had a bunch of different assistant coaches. So that's been, that's been a challenge, but this is year three. What do you think my opinion is where I say you don't have to win the conference this year, be competitive and be in the mix the final week, meaning be top three teams, be in that conversation and get into the Mountain West Conference tournament. Don't lose in the quarterfinals. Get to at least the semis. If you got to the finals, that'd be great. And if you can't get into the NCAA tournament, get into the NIT. Give Absolutely. me some, not the CBI. UNLV should never be playing in the CBI, but the NIT is legitimate. Absolutely. Get into the NCAA tournament or the NIT. And listen, I like Kevin. I want to be very clear on that. I think he's a great guy. I love the Kruger family. I love Lon. Wonderful family. Lon's a legend. But this is now year three, and it's time for me to be honest. I'm always honest. 
But I said by year three, you got to show vast improvement. No more excuses. He has to show improvement this year. Sure. Is that fair? I, yeah. I mean, I don't know how long his contract is. Is it five, six years? Yeah. I mean, he's up. He knows that. Uh, but And that's my point of uh, scheduling uh, these kind of opponents early because – on paper, he did a great job in the summer, but he doesn't know that. Yeah. He doesn't, this guy was a five star, four star, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't know till he sees him on the floor. So that's, that's a discovery time for a coach to see exactly what you yeah. have. But absolutely. And, um, you know, you know, make progress, maybe upset a team, get into the semis. If you don't make the NCAA, go to the NIT. I mean, I'll, let's rewind it, right? Uh, I was in Reno, UNR when, uh, when uh, Eric Musselman was there at Nevada, Reno. And he was making recruiting and, and getting his best players who were the twins, but they couldn't play that year. He went to the NIT and did really well. And the next year he did good in the NCAA. So that's a process. And any experience, I don't like that other tournament, the CCBB, Poo whatever that is. <laughs> I hate that. But the NIT is a legit tournament and you get experience in tournament games. Yeah. Yeah. There's a CBI and then there's a fourth tournament too. God, I don't even remember what that fourth tournament is. It's really bad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there are some teams, you know, listen. You know why those all those tournaments are, right? Well, it's money. And Extra it's for, games. And, and it's for coaches. Yeah. So coaches can save their job no if question. they go to some tournament. No question. Yeah. And uh, I supported Todd Simon over at Southern Utah when he got some postseason berths at Southern Utah, which they never had. So I supported him for that. And, and they went deep in some of those tournaments. And. And, uh, you know, uh, I like extra college basketball, so it's great for the fans. But all I'm saying is NCAA tournament or NIT this year, or I think Eric Harper has a decision to make. And listen, I don't want that to happen. I love yeah, Kevin. I, mean, I think he's a good guy. It's reality and coaching. Yeah, Absolutely. I like he, Kevin. And I guarantee he knows it. Yeah. His staff knows it. They all know you it. Gotta get a, you got to get a postseason berth in the NIT yeah. or the NCAA tournament this That's, year. The Mountain West Conference is going to be pretty good this year. San Diego State's still going to be good. Boise State's not bad. Colorado State's not bad. I think they were picked fifth in the conference. So there are some decent teams, but you know, uh, what, you look at what San Diego State did last year. Yeah, listen, I'm not saying I expect UNLV to get to the championship game, but what Dutch has done with San Diego State is phenomenal. Here, uh, I don't know if you can pull this up. But I can tell you, like, if you pull up the roster of UNLV basketball, yeah. I, I like to see how many transfers they have and where they came from. You know what? Tell Here's you. what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to give uh, give Justin some even more work to do. We're and, running. Uh, yeah, we'll Thanks, have, guys. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. No hey, problem. Hey, can you pull up my stats on Tuesday nights on, <laughs> on uh, with the Bucks? Horrible. <laughs> I would average. I play on, good on Tuesdays back well, on Thursday. Well, Mo's going to overinflate just like he did with his three point percentage. Always. Yeah, I still remember Always. about that. I would guess on a Tuesday night. Hey, it's up to you to research that. That's, that's not true. my fault. I didn't I do my research. <laughs> on a Tuesday night, I would say Mo averaged four and a half points a game and five boards. Shoot, if I average five boards. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll look that up. All right, we'll take a quick break and, and we'll pull those stats up when we come back. And I also want to talk. Some a little bit of NBA hoops with Mo. We haven't really had the opportunity to do a lot of that. So we'll get to that coming up next. The Lakers have been struggling a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about that as well and talk about the midseason tournament coming up in a month in Vegas. I think that's going to be cool. Oh, that's going to be awesome. You, you saw the courts, right? Yeah, they look great. They look I great on TV. I think interesting. It's, I think it's one of the best decisions the NBA's made yeah. in a long time. It's yeah. bar none, it's going to be a the success. uniforms weren't as cool as I thought. They and were. I might bring Vivica A. Fox to the games too. So I thought I would add that. So we're double that, dating. Put that in there as well. Ab- absolutely. Such a name drop. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes, absolutely. Floor, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this with Mo. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP.
everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Big Dogs Brewing Company, open 24-7, is an award-winning brewer, a full-service catering business, and a fun, smoke-free brew pub restaurant with a full-service bar, including over 35 craft beers on tap, 35 multi-denomination slot machines, the best gaming promotion, and a lively, dog-friendly outdoor patio. Big Dogs Brewing Company, 4543 North Ratchewit Gray. Find out more at BigDogsBrews.com. Steiner's, the Nevada style pub, invites you to play the best tavern, kino, and video poker in Vegas. Promos are how we roll, so make the most of your gaming dollars here with us. Come play our proud partner gaming promotion, Fly Aviators Fly, and receive daily free play, bonuses, and more. With a chance to win awesome brand of prizes and big money for all the jackpots each week. It's not only great gaming that Steiner's pub has, it's a 24 awesome rotating draft beers. And Vegas is best appetizers to match. So join us in supporting your Las Vegas aviators, Golden Knights, Lights, Aces, and the Raiders, as we make history in Vegas. Steiner's, the Nevada style pub at 8410 West Cheyenne, 1750 North Buffalo, and Las Vegas Boulevard at Windmill. Steiners, I love this place. As 
As good of a basketball player and coach Paul McKeskey was, he's just as good at the air drums, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you, welcome back. It is pushing the limits on a Wednesday. I'll tell you what, I'll sign. If we take a picture of me doing the air drums and put it on a card, I'll sign But will you sign it in every letter? Will you do it nicely for me? Yes, I will. There's nothing worse than when a celebrity signs an autograph and just scribbles. It's like, come on, dude. You know who had the best autograph? Arnold Palmer. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, don't, I, I either lost it or I sold it. But when I was a kid, he signed something for me, and it was like he was so, like, very specific with his signature. I, I love that. Jordan's got a really nice autograph, too. Uh, there's a few that you look at them, they're like, well, Tiger Woods has a nice signature. Like, And then there's others that are like LeBron, it's, you can't even make out. It depends on when you sign it, too. I mean, you know, you used to have to walk through a crowd, and everybody's throwing stuff in your face, and you just scribbling as you go to get through there. So it depends yeah, on Yeah, I got really yeah. angry once at um, – one of my favorite bands growing up was Alice in Chains, right? And Jerry Cantrell is one of the founders. Of course, Lane Staley passed away. And I, I had Jerry Cantrell when I was a kid uh, sign. <laughs> what do you want his autograph right now? Sign a guitar. No, and it's a, it's a freaking <laughs> it's a freaking guitar, man. Can you just take five seconds and sign it? And he yeah. signs like JC. I'm like, really, dude? Yeah, especially really, dude? if it's. It's a freaking like, guitar, really. Like if, if someone <laughs> had like a basketball wanted me to sign, yeah. I would take You'd time. You'd sign it and, nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Will Chamberlain, who you once guarded, right? Um, in in uh, pickup games, not in, in pick I'm not that old. You're no. not that old. No. Uh, but uh, I met him in the Catskills. Uh, this was when I was, again, I was a kid. And um, some would argue I still am, and they're probably right. But I wanted, I, I, I was trying to get Wilt's autograph for days at this resort that he was staying at. I finally catch up to him. And um, he signs it Wilt. And I said, I'm like, Mr. Chamberlain, can you sign your last name? I can't. How much money do you need? You're Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> like, like, come on, dude. If you're a chick, you would have signed it. <laughs> come on, dude. Give me a break. Uh, but that, yeah, that's my well, Wilt Chamberlain I mean, story. You know, Give me Ru a break. Bill Russell didn't sign hardly anything at all, ever. Yeah, well, he was just a jerk. He was an a-hole. Can we just admit that? <laughs> Bill Russell, he had so much. Listen, I know there were a lot of racists in Boston, and there probably still are. He was treated, uh, I'm sure, terribly by by some people, and I I certainly feel for him when it comes to that sort of stuff. But not everybody's a racist, and I felt like Will, I felt like Bill Russell thought the entire world of white people were out to get him. Yeah, but that's not why he didn't sign. I remember a story that Tommy Heinsohn gave, where they had just won the NBA championship, and Heinsohn was on the team. And it was almost like a yearbook that they gave all the players of, of pictures of, and Tommy was getting everybody to sign it, not, you know, just for his own personal thing. And he told this story on the air and Russell wouldn't sign his, his no, that's, yearbook. That's ridiculous. And then Tommy looked at him like, why? And then he goes, of all people, you should know, Tommy. And I'm like, what a jerk you are. What a jerk. Yeah. Was he a great player? Yes. He's also a jerk. It's just my personal opinion. <laughs> are there any players in the league that like, you're you're like the nicest guy, but like, are there any players that you just today you just wouldn't want to talk to? Not really. I mean, for the most part, you got along with everybody. Even Barkley, you guys would jo joke around, I, right? I, Oakley, Barkley, and I had beers together. Oakley is fine. We, you know, you uh, guys would laugh. And when I was time. in uh, Charlotte, uh, Jordan brought him in to hang around for a week. Yeah, we're fine. Um, you know, even <laughs> the uh, ever hated Bill Lambeer, um, who I grew up playing against in high school. You know, we're we're ex-players. We're old players. I mean, you know, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like that. I don't, I don't at least for me, it's not. Because, you know, I asked Lane Beer when I interviewed him when he was um, coaching here of the Aces, and he did a good job here as a coach. Yeah, he did. I said, 
if if Larry Bird, if you walked into a room and Larry Bird, you saw Larry Bird at a restaurant, I said, and he mentioned your name, what would you do? So I'd keep walking. I wouldn't sit with him. I'd keep walking. So I said, if Larry Bird was at your dinner table, what would you say? I'd go to another table. Like, he just has vile hatred towards Larry Bird. Yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, they, yeah, but at some point, right, you got to grow the hell up. Exactly. I mean, we're all men now. I mean, we're older men now. I mean, you know. Danny Ainge and Bill Lane Beer had a lot of battles, but I remember I saw them at T-Mobile Arena several years back, and they were joking and having a good time, and I took a picture. I'm like, isn't it nice to see these guys talking and getting along, you know? You're right. Life is short, right? Yeah. But there's still a lot of guys out there. Like, there's a lot of people that don't want to... You know Isaiah Thomas better than anybody. You played with him. I think he's a super nice guy, and I met him at an Aces game, And but I'm just some idiot taking a picture with him, but... Like, there's a lot of... You mentioned my name, right? I did, and yeah. he, his eyes lit up. Yeah. He's like, Mo's a nice guy. Please tell him why I said hi. Like, that's what he said. His yeah. eyes lit up. But, like, there's a lot of former players that... I mean, that's why he wasn't on the Dream Team, right? I, I think that was a big part of it. You know, yeah. the stories are, you know, they didn't want to monitor. They, uh, Jordan wouldn't play with him and all this stuff. I don't know what's true. Some of it's true. Some of it's probably not true. But even, uh, even they made up, uh, you know, years ago uh, on TV. So... You know, I, I agree that, you know, we had battles and, you know, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Celtics, you know, but at some point, you know, life is short, like you say. And, uh, life you know, is short. And, and I'm telling you, being a member of the Retired Players Association, and uh, they're actually having a basketball tournament here, sponsor one, um, in December, um, uh, Washington and Gonzaga and some other teams uh, that we'll go to. But, uh, you know, you see guys... Uh, Daryl Dawkins, Moses Malone, Mark Eaton. God, the these late Daryl Dawkins. But these guys are all gone now. I forgot and, about and, Moses Malone. Yeah, too. they're all gone now. Chocolate and, Thunder, man. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, you got to realize that life is too short. And, uh, you know, uh, all these great players, friends of mine, you know, that aren't around anymore. And when you're like the Retired Player Association has a thing, an event here every summer for the Summer League, and you get to see old teammates and old guys, you tell old stories and be around and that's valuable that's important i agree and, and you, you said it best it's time to grow up yeah. stop it with the you know i've always thought that the trash talk and all that stuff should stay on the floor yeah. doesn't mean that in the middle of the season you know you don't you, you might despise some people but when it's I all mean, said and done and you retire come on man shoot grow i mean up. You, you know barkley punched me and we had it out and whatever i think like two months later, we went out and had dinner. After Can I ask you, what is that like and how does that happen? Like you get into a <laughs> physical fight on the floor. We've all seen the videos of it. How does it come to two months later? Who initiates that where you guys go out and have dinner together? Uh, I think uh, it was I think it was Mike Kaminsky, who's a, who was on his team in Philly. Yeah. And is a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I think he said, hey, let's go out, you know, after the game. I think it was in Philly and. I go, sure. He goes, uh, you know, by the way, you know, Charles is going to be there. I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. You know, and then we start talking and laughing and, you know, long story short, and TNT did a whole thing and Shaq, you know, got my side of it. And why'd you do that? And bottom line is, and people don't even know this, that I started that whole thing. I, I, I gave a kind of a cheap elbow before that whole thing happened that nobody even saw. But, yeah. you know, it was like whatever. And back then, I mean, even friends, Mike Kaminsky and I would go at it on the court, like physically. Right. You know? And then after the game, we go out and, and grab a bite. So when you have dinner with Charles Barkley, and I would imagine this is probably the first time you get to talk with him off the court after that altercation, do you guys say anything to each other and talk about it and oh, joke sure. about it? What did you yeah. guys say to each other? I'm he, curious. He's like, you know, I forgot <laughs> what he said, like something, something. I said, yeah, but you didn't even get me that good. I was off balance. <laughs> 
and he starts laughing, and then that's it. You know, I think that's great, and that that seems to be who you are and who Charles is. Charles seems to be a pretty decent guy, good-hearted guy, great tipper, takes care of people. Yeah. He's a character. He's a personality. He was a great player. He's a oh, Hall of Fame player. Uh, guy was a bulldozer, man. When you see, uh, and here's a comparison, like Zion play now. Yeah. Barkley was a better Zion. Oh, I you know? absolutely so, agree with so that. So that's how good he is. I, 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 I absolutely agree with that. I'm still not sold on Zion. You know, no, he's me a, neither. He's a freak athlete, but, but people, I'm not sold on him. People forget how good Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton. I can keep going. <gasps> These are Hall of These Famers. These guys are great, great Malone players. Malone was one of the best post players to ever play the game. Akeem Olajuwon. Oh. Did anybody have any better post moves than him? No. I mean, that guy was a magician with his post moves no. and his footwork. Uh, Did he have the best footwork of all time in the post? I mean, it, it's uh, unbelievable. One of, I put Kevin McHale up there. Oh, McHale was unbelievable. His footwork was really I would good. say him and Olajuwon, mm. as far as, I agree. Well. The footwork of those two guys. And McHale wasn't always the best athlete, right? No. But, but his footwork and his... Uh, and his his movement on the court, and, underrated uh, defensive player too. Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time who is the hardest person to guard. You know, they think it's Kareem, and like, don't get me wrong, Kareem's hard to guard, man. He's skyhook, forget about it. But I knew that's what he wanted, so I tried to push him the other way. So I had a strategy. Moses Malone and um, uh, Kevin McHale uh, weren't as skilled as Kareem, but they were great footwork. Very relentless and unpredictable. They would do stuff that you were like, you would see it like throw it over their shoulder, spin around, go get the rebound, put it back, like stuff that you wouldn't expect. So they're the hardest to guard. I, I, I can certainly picture that, but you being a big man in the NBA, especially during that era, man, you guarded some unbelievable players. Yeah, I was thinking the other day of who I played with and against. You know, you're, you're talking about, uh, uh, Dr. J. I played against, uh, Pete Maravich, uh, you know, Moses, mm. uh, uh, Parrish, Mikhail, Barkley, Kareem, Magic, Michael yeah. Jordan, Akeem, all these guys I played against. You know, I was thinking about that the other day, thinking about all these people that in 12 years as an NBA player, I, I actually played against or with. And speaking of Jordan, I was looking at one of the fights you got into, and I don't even remember who it was. It was but I, I, Oh, was it? I remember Jordan was holding was, you back. He was holding me back. <laughs> Michael Jordan was holding you back. That's really funny. I want to get that. I want to get that picture and, and blow that one up. Michael I, Jordan holding I tell you, you back. I think, I think I showed you. I have a picture. What well, used to be in my office, probably in my garage now. I'm at the free throw line. It's a great picture of me shooting a free throw, right? Mm -hmm. And it's right under the basket. But behind me, Jordan is standing with his back to me, like in the backcourt. That's one of my best pictures because Jordan's in it. I love that. That's I just I just think Jordan trying to put a stranglehold on you and holding you back is just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Speaking of being held back, what do you make of the Lakers right now and uh, where they're at as a unit? Uh, and do you still see them as a team that, or do you see them as a team at all that could possibly contend? Uh, it's just like I keep saying the the biggest ability in the NBA now is availability. And you know, uh, Anthony da Davis got hurt again. I think, uh, you know, something happened to him. They just haven't gelled like I thought they were going to gel. Right. And what they're doing is they're relying a lot on LeBron early in the season that he's going to wear out at, you know, 60 years old or however old he is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to wear out and that's going to hurt them. Uh, the team that's most surprising to me is the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, I think, mm. you know, they're second in the West. Uh, you know, Kyrie and Luca are playing well together and they have a good, uh, nucleus around them. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Uh, that's Bo how I feel. You know, Boston and Milwaukee in the East. Um, but I think, 
you know, there's a lot of teams that can come forward and win this. And availability, like a great game tonight. Um, I think uh, Denver is playing the Golden State Warriors, except Jamal Murray's out mm. and um, uh, Draymond's out. So two of their best players are out. So it's availability. Bigger loss, in my opinion, and you could tell me a bigger loss to Denver. Yeah. Draymond's yeah. a big part of the team, but, yeah, you know, but he's not really an offensive guy. He's a defensive no. guy and a rebounder. Yeah. He does the intangibles. And, and what the, Murray does everything. Here's what happens. Like, Draymond isn't playing. That means yeah. Chris Paul probably plays more. Right. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah. You know, but but Jamal, Jamal with the Joker, almost unstoppable. Yeah. And now can you, half of it's out. Can you repeat after me? The Boston Celtics are the best team in the East. The can Milwaukee you, can Bucks you, are the best oh, team in the East. Oh, he can't say it. He can't do it. He can't find it within himself. I'm Come telling on, you what. It, you know what would be awesome is to have them in the East Finals. What you know That would bring back memories of Game well, 7 of Well, can't that happen Boston in this tournament? Because it's four teams, right? Sure. Two teams yeah. from the East, two teams from the West. So we yeah. could actually see a preview. That would, which would be phenomenal. And listen, they're playing for a million dollars. They're going to be playing hard. Yeah, right? and I just found out. I didn't know the head coach gets uh, 500 grand. That's too, a lot so. of money. Yeah, it is to, to listen, whoever, right? They're going to be playing hard. Yeah. They're going to want to win, right? I don't think they're going to be parting it up in Vegas unless you're James Harden. But Philadelphia ain't going to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, that ain't going to be happening. And I know he was traded. But, yeah. you know, I, it's just it's just one of those things where – um, I think guys are going to be playing hard. It's a great, great thing that the NBA is doing. Yeah, we talked about how uh, UNLV is kind of on the hot seat about what they do this year. Mm-hmm. How about the Clippers? Mm-hmm. So they spent all this money. Yeah. They had all these players. Now they get James Harden. And yep. If they don't make it to the West Finals this year, well, how many players and coaches do you think can be out of there next year? That that bomber who's a billionaire, but at some point you're like, you know, I spent all this money for nothing. That they're on the hot seat. The Clippers yeah. are on the hot seat. Oh, no question about that. And uh, Kawhi, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, can you play more than 40 games? I've had enough. Uh, <laughs> give me a break. Uh, I love Paul George, and the way he came back from that leg injury is, is pretty impressive. But uh, is, uh, their, their center um, is, is better than you think, too. Yeah. But I think uh, as a whole, I think we all can know that the Joker is the GOAT. I mean, that guy just does everything out there. He's still the GOAT, in yeah, my I'm, opinion. Let's let's look at this like uh, um, uh, Giannis, right, mm-hmm. Who, who's been MVP, right? Now, and I've said this before publicly, Giannis is the, 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 the MVP in the NBA that has the most uh, uh, holes in his game than any MVP ever. Because let's see, uh, between Giannis and Joker, who's a better three-point shooter? Uh, I, w- I, I would take Joker. Yeah. yeah. Who's a better free-throw shooter? I would absolutely take Joker. Who's a better passer? I still think the Joker is probably the best big man passer in the league. Absolutely. Although, although I think that's a little bit closer than the other two categories. You think yeah. Giannis is a Giannis? Is, I don't think is a very good passer at all. I think he's above average, I, but I think, I, the Joker is number one in all those categories. And, and uh, 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 you know, shot blocking, you know, similar, but give Giannis know, a little edge there. Yeah, probably a little bit. But yeah. just thinking about that. And think about how good Giannis the guy, is. The guy, now you think about how good Joker is. Woo. The guy does everything. He dribbles the ball like he's a point guard. Uh, he can shoot the three. Great range. Great post game. He's physical. Good defender. Great passer. Better low post player than you think. Yes, I agree with that as well. So, I mean, the Joker's the GOAT. Uh, McKeskey was the GOAT back in his days with the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks. There's no question about that. <laughs> I uh, was I was beloved in Milwaukee. <laughs> that's right. Milwaukee. We got to go to we, we got to go to an Ignite game. We certainly have to check that out. And the NBA midseason tournament oh, for sure. is going to be a lot of fun. Mo, it is always a pleasure having you on. I will send Anderson Hunt regards. Oh, for regards. sure. Yes, do that, please. Yes, I will do that. Tell and congratulations. 
Anderson's is a great honor. It is. It's yes. it's going to be super cool for him. And Anderson's a really nice guy, so yeah. I'm I'm really happy for him. All see right, Big Mo. See if he'll sign a card for me. Uh, he might. He might. I'll have I'll have him I'll have him sign it in your name. I'll have him spell your name wrong. How do you spell Paul's name wrong? How can you spell Paul wrong? I, I don't know. How do you spell that? Pale. Pale. Okay. We'll have him sign it too pale. Cool. Yeah, that's what we'll do. All right. Mo, thanks for being here as always, Mo. Always appreciate it. Always a good time. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we'll be uh, previewing the presidential. Uh, Republican, not preview, will be uh, post-game coverage of the debate uh, with... Uh, that's, form- like, that's like an NBA game with no starters to show up. Let's, yeah, that's, let's critique kind of, all the backup guys. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much what we're doing, all the guys coming off the bench. Thanks for joining us, Mo. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. Have a great day. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hi, Doug Basham here. Join me Monday through Friday from 11... The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily reflect those of station staff, management, and advertisers. For the grinders who rise before the sun, the predators who stalk the odds, the winners who demand an edge. You're listening to the boss of the big ball, JP the Ticket. Listen every weekend, Saturday and Sunday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. to Vegas Scoreboard Express Live on KSHP 107.1 FM and AM 1400 as I unleash a barrage of insightful analysis, expert predictions, and winning strategies from the sharpest minds in sports betting to get your money back from the sports books. Go to jbtheticket.com and tune in to KSHP this weekend, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. to win with the Sharps. JP the Ticket. Vegas Scoreboard Express. All money, all sports, no bull. Miss the live show? Subscribe to Vegas Scoreboard Express on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast and radio listening. Are you tired of the same old boring travel shows? Then tune in to the Unscaled Travel Show presented by Diamondback Land Surveying each Saturday at 2 p.m. on KSHP. I'm Jeremy Long, the Full Metal Traveler, and along with my wife Amy, we'll take you to places you've never heard of and introduce you to destinations you've never seen. If you're ready for adventure out on the open road, check us out on the Unscaled Travel Show presented by Diamondback Land Surveying each Saturday at 2 p.m. on KSHP or find us online at fullmetaltraveler.com. What's up, Vegas, and my online listeners? I'm so excited to announce my new live radio talk show, The Jamie D Show. If you don't know who I am, well, that's about to change. I'm an actor seen on several TV shows and movies across TV One, Oxygen, The ID Channel, and Netflix. I've been on several billboards across the world. I've done several commercials, and I've been heard live on several different major radio shows. Now it's my turn to do my own thing. 
So get ready for eye-opening discussions, mind-bending debates, entertainment news from all over, and gripping stories that'll make you question, reflect, and call into the show. I'll be covering entertainment, pop culture, social issues, and more. I'll also have an incredible lineup of celebrities, industry experts, and fascinating individuals 